Hey, welcome friends in the room, friends in Fort Worth, El Paso, Phoenix, Arizona, Boise, Idaho, Northwest Arkansas, Philadelphia, and all the Ports Live locations, everybody joining us online. We are continuing this series, Fortune Telling. If we haven't met, my name is David, and I have the privilege of serving and being a part of uh, leading on the team that is here. And I could not be more excited for what God is about to do tonight. There's a, a good friend of mine that uh, has been an integral part of how God has started a movement of young adults in this city who is joining us tonight that I'm about to introduce. But in terms of communicators, in terms of pastors, in terms of followers of Jesus, I cannot, and I mean those words very seriously, think of a single person I could be more excited to step up, open God's word, and teach us here. Tonight, Jonathan Pakluda. From Harris Creek, who if you haven't, uh, if you're unaware of the three of you who don't, JP has uh, been a part of the porch for, you know, a decade and got to serve with one of the closest friends in the world, one of the best teachers of God's word when they write the history book of the church in North America in 100 years from now. It would surprise me if they don't mention his name. And the impact that he has had on young adults, it would be embarrassing for me to attempt to communicate how much and how many eternities have been impacted and changed and transformed. So with that being said, will you guys please welcome to the stage, Jonathan Pakluda. He said that just like I wrote it down, so I'm thankful. Man, just a tremendous encourager to me. It's, it's, uh, people ask me, was it, was it hard to leave the porch? It was hard to leave the people. It wasn't difficult to hand it over to excellent leadership. And so I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. I know we prayed, honestly, everyone should go home after Davy's prayer. I was like, wow. Uh, she said propitiation, man. I'm like, let's, amen. Father, would you open our hearts? And if there's a word that you have for us tonight, as we open these ancient truths, would you help us to walk to our car in just a moment different? And I, I know that we're on the front lines this evening because we're talking about something that Satan has come after with full force. And so would you protect our minds? Would you protect our hearts? Would you remove distractions if we're in uh, the loft, if we're in another room right now? Would you remove distractions, give us laser focus, help us to hear what we're supposed to hear. Help me not get in the way. If I say something they're not supposed to hear, supernaturally erase it. And if I say something consistent with you and your word, would you allow it to ring true? In Jesus' name, amen. My buddy texts me and says, hey, do you want to go to the mall? And uh, I, I'm a shopper, okay? Like, I know some guys are like, ooh, the mall, gross. I'm not that kind of guy. Like, I'm like, I love the mall. And I'm an Enneagram 7. So, like, if you text me and say, do you want to go, like, really, in, like, do you want to go get a spinal tap? Yeah, anywhere. Like, if I can get out of the house, like, I'm in. So, I'm like, yeah, of course I want to go to the mall. And so, he, honestly, he's not the kind of guy to say that to. Like, he's not the, the shopper. Like, I'm the shopper. But he's like, hey, do you want to go? I'm like, yes, I want to go to the mall. And so, he's like, all right, I'm picking you up on, on the way to pick you up. And and so he does, he picks me up and, and we're driving to the mall and I ask him, his name is Marshall, right? 
And I say, hey, what, what are you going to the mall for? Like, this is not like you just randomly in the afternoon to go to the mall. What are you going for? And he says, I need a new raincoat. And I'm like, oh yeah, raincoat, because, you know, there's been some precipitation lately. So, you know, you, you want to, you know, get a raincoat. Like, I get it. Like his other one, he's like, I, I got a tear in it. So I'm like, cool, man, I'm your wingman. Like, I got you. Like, I know the mall. I used to work there. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to hook you. We're going to go and, and I'll help you. I'm like, what, what are you looking for in a raincoat? And this is what he says. He says, I'm looking for a North Face Venture 2 color THN black size medium with a cinched hood and a Gore-Tex lining to keep the water out. I was like, oh, you're looking for that raincoat. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, Okay. Um, And so it's real interesting the way that we shot the experience that, that ensued there because like we go into the mall, but we just go to the stores that sell raincoats. And when he walks into the store, you know, the guy's up there uh, up front. He's like, hey, sir, can I help you? You know, we have some pants on. He's like, no, 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 I'm raincoat. And he goes straight to the rounder that sells raincoats. And then he goes straight to the section that has North Face. Then he goes straight to the black ones. And he starts looking at the label for Venture 2, like just laser focus. Like, that's not how I shop. Like how I shop, like I go in the mall and I'm like, spirit lead me where, you know, I'm like, I'm like, where, like, what, what is it? Like, I'm, I'm open to being sold. You know, I got a little money in my pocket. Like, like guy comes up, is like, hey, you know, are you looking for anything particular? I'm like, no, I'm not looking for anything particular. He's like, well, we got, you know, we got these two for one. I'm like, show me, show me, tea. I, I want the sale. Like, like, where's the deal? You know, and, and you, you find yourself when you don't know, when you're not looking for something, you have to look at everything right? And so I'm looking at everything and you, you kind of wander into zoomies and like, oh man, maybe I need a longboard, you know, cause I've only got three. And, and then some dude's like, Hey, you, you need some shoes. I'm like, yes, I, I do need some shoe. I only have 37 pair. Yes. You know? And, and, and then you find yourself in, in Brookstone and you're like looking at some head massager, hypothetically speaking, you know, and it, it like makes your hair grow. And all of a sudden, I'm like, maybe I need this. Like, maybe I don't have enough hair. And you, you just, if, if you don't know what you're looking for, you can't find it. And most of us date the way that I shop. Like, I've spent a lot of time with single people. We, we go throughout the world. We're trying to find the one. And, and if you were honest, like if I was to survey you guys, I'd say, what are you looking for? Now, how are you going to know? And you're going to say dumb things to me like, well, you just know when you know. Anybody ever told you that? You just know when you know. You just know when you know. I'm, I'm, and you would say this. You say, well, I'm looking for someone who makes me feel. And you fill in the blank. Someone who makes me feel beautiful. Someone who makes me feel good. Someone who makes me feel great. Someone who makes me feel special. You're looking for someone who makes me feel. But here's the public service announcement up front. Feelings come and go. Whoever you marry, you're going to be laying in bed to them, by, beside them one day, and you're going to wake up, and you're going to be like, I don't feel anything. And what your pagan friends are going to say, you're like, I've, I've fallen out of love. I married the wrong person. And I'm not saying that it's going to stay that way. I I don't know. I'm just telling you feelings come and go. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you won't find it. So we're in this series, Fortune Telling, where we're looking at what the scripture says about our future, how it informs it, 
And what I want to talk about this evening for the few minutes that I have you is who you should marry. Magic eight ball, who am I going to marry? God, who, who should I marry? And I'm going to give you a verse from the scripture. I'm going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4 if you want to turn there. I'm going to give you an amazing list from the scripture of who you should marry. And who should I marry is really who to look for. It's really who to date. But it's honestly, guys, listen, it's who to be. Because I'm sure you've heard here before, if you've been here long, you want to become someone the someone you're looking for is looking for. You want to be someone the someone you're looking for is looking for. So this message tonight, regardless of where you're at, whether you're seriously dating, single, never been asked out, you desire marriage, maybe you're called to singleness. If it's not who should I marry, then it's who should I be. I should become this person because this is what the scripture informs us. And let me just start with an apology up front. The church, Big C Church, has missed it. And I'm sorry, as a pastor and a leader of a local church, I I want to ask your forgiveness because the church has made this tremendous mistake in the 21st century of elevating marriage above singleness. And that's an unbiblical, anti-biblical idea. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that singleness is a gift. And and you're like, eye roll moment. Does it have a receipt? Can I return it? Can I exchange it? What kind of gift is it? Right? No, but it's a gift. That's what the the scripture says. And so I promise you what's true about it. It is a gift. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. And Paul, the apostle, who was single, who wrote 80% of the New Testament is plagiarizing the words of Jesus in Matthew 19 when Jesus says, there are some who are celibate for the sake of the kingdom. Not everyone can accept it, but those who can should. So Jesus, who was also single and 33 years old, elevates the calling of singleness on par with marriage. And so if you're single, it's okay. You're not second class, you're not junior varsity, you're not JV, you have this tremendous calling on your life like Jesus. And we don't know if it's for a day or for a year or for 20 years or a lifetime, we don't know, none of us can see the future. But if you desire marriage, this is who you should look for. I'm I'm telling you who you should look for. And the way that we find How do we find someone to marry? What do we do? It's not rhetorical. What do we do? We go on Tinder. No, no, no. What do we do? Bumble. No, no, no. What do we do? What do we do? We date. Yeah, we date. We date. Thank you, David. You're listening. You you date. This is dating. It's a modern idea, and it's our method of trying to find a suitable spouse. That's why we date. You're, you're trying to find a suitable spouse. Now, that's not what the world says. The world says date for fun, date for the feels, you know, date to experience the opposite sex, date for the experience. Dating is about 120 years old. It entered the, the English language as a euphemism for prostitution. Think about this, guys. Prior to 120 years ago, no one in the history of the world had ever gone on a date. Crazy. Before 120 years ago, no one had gone on a date. That's, that wasn't a method. That was invented 120 years ago, and it enters the English language as a euphemism of, for prostitution because to go on a date was to exchange an experience for sexual favors. Now, if you think about how we date in the 21st century in the world, we haven't come that far. That's, that's still very much how the world dates. We exchange an experience, take me to my favorite restaurant, give me my favorite drink, favorite appetizer, let's go, we're talking. And maybe you'll get lucky somehow, some way. 
That's how the world dates. I mean, you know, just call it saying like it is. You guys are staring at me like, wait, is he serious? Yes, that's, that's what your friends do. I know not you guys, we're in church. I'm saying that's what people, people do though, right? And we have more help than we've ever had. We've got dating apps, dating websites, personality tests, compatibility tests, professional matchmakers, and we're the worst at marriage than any generation in the history of history. What happened? What's wrong? People are sliding into DMs. They're ghosting each other. We don't, we don't, we're not sincere in our love like Romans 12, 9 says. We do what we want to do. We're cowards. We hide. We hide behind technology. We basically outsource this whole thing to a web developer. And, and you're left brokenhearted. And I know a lot of you have cried yourself to sleep. Probably most of you have cried yourself to sleep. And guys, I want to ask you a question. I've been spending a lot of time in this book. What if our hearts weren't meant to be broken? What if God didn't make breakable hearts? What if he never intended for your heart to be broken? And in reality, we're getting married later. We're getting married less. And marriages aren't lasting. And so if dating is the pathway to the promise of marriage, we're doing something wrong. And I'm, I'm just here, I'm raising my hand and say, hey, we, something's gotta change. And so what I'm gonna say tonight is crazy in some ways, but just apply logic and, and grab God's word and, and prove to me, if you can, from the word of God that I'm wrong. Because I'm, I'm really just plagiarizing some truths that were written. I'm really just gonna give you one verse with a lot of supporting verses tonight. But let me give you some stats up front. 1967 out of 10 people in their 20s were married compared with just two out of 10 today. For the first time in history, the average American now spends more years single than married. About 50% of marriages end in divorce. Now, let me say uh, that 50% is made of 41% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, and 73% of third marriages. So a lot of different things that make up that stat. But let's just say you say, no, no, I think it's 40%. Let me tell you something. Most marriages fail miserably. That's the truth. Most marriages fail miserably. Because of those that stay married, there's a bunch of them that are unhappily undivorced. Like this is some of your parents. They don't love each other. They're not intimate, right? They're, they're celibate or they're unfaithful. They're roommates. Sometimes they sleep in separate rooms or separate beds. And they're not happy. So they're not divorced, but they're not happy. So the smallest demographic is people who are joyfully married and stay married and stay joyful. That's the smallest demographic. Here's what I want you to know. Here's why I left my family tonight. Here's why I drove two hours to be here is because I want that to be every single person who desires marriage. I want that to be you. And I believe it's available to you if you will lean into the word of God for the next few minutes together. That you could be joyfully married for the rest of your life. Good. Good. So I'm going to give you five things, five things to look for, because I think one of the greatest problems is people don't know what they, to look for, and you cannot find it if you don't know what you're looking for. So I'm going to give you five things. This is a great list. I, 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 this list was not preserved for dating. Dating was nowhere in the Bible. Believe it or not, the internet's nowhere in the Bible. It wasn't invented yet, right? And, and so the Bible does not speak to dating. It does speak to relationships, and it does speak to discipleship. Tonight's a discipleship 
message. And these five things is what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. Hey, this is what you should do. This is, this is what you should be. Be an example of this, Timothy. Timothy also single. Paul single, writing to Timothy who's single, who, who says this. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Well, we read that and we think, oh, is he 16? Is he 14, 13? He's older than most of you. He's about 40 years old when he writes this. Yeah, I know, crazy. Uh, it's good news for me that the Bible says that's young. Um, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but instead, rather set an example for the believers in speech. You see five things, speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I'll give you five questions to ask. You're on a date? These are the five questions you ask. Because all you're doing on a date is you're trying to find, will they be a suitable spouse? So you're trying to have experiences that would allow you to see and determine if they would be a great husband or a great wife, a great mom or a great dad. That's all you're trying to do. And you wanna do that as quickly and effectively as you possibly can because dating's the interview, it's not the fun part. It's, it's like the challenges of marriage without the fun stuff, right? And so the first question, do they set an example in their speech? That's the first question. Do they set an example in their speech? Now this is huge, this is much more important than you think it is. Here's another way to ask it, what do they say? What comes out of their mouth? Do they gossip? Like I was on a date with a girl prior to Monica and the only thing that she wanted to talk about is everyone who wasn't there. Like, it was, like going on a date with her was like being in the, the grocery store aisle and looking at all the tabloids. Did you know, did you know, what did you know? Did you know he, did you know she, did you know they? And it was like, we had nothing else to talk about. That's the ungodly, that's a giant red flag. If you're on a first date with someone and they wanna talk about someone who's not present, that's not a good sign. What comes out of their mouth? Do they tear people down? Guys, man, marriage is hard. Some of you need to hear that, but some of you need to hear marriage is good. Marriage is good, singleness is good. It's good, it's a good thing. The Bible calls it says marriage is good, but it's also hard. After a long day of work, after a lot of challenges in ministry, I walk through that door, praise God, I married a cheerleader. Praise God, and I don't mean cheerleader like you think I mean. I mean that she says, hey, I just wanna remind you that God loves you, and that he's good, and that he's in control and that you got this, and you can keep going, and I'm here for you, I want you to know that, right? Are they negative? Guys, marriage is hard. If they're negative, that's a beat down. Like that's gonna be a lot more difficult to, to partner up in ministry with someone who's always negative. Do they curse in anger? James 1.19, like what comes out of their mouth when they're squeezed? Not when they're sitting across the table from you at their favorite restaurant, ordering their favorite food. What comes out of their mouth when they're squeezed, man? Like when they slam their finger in the car door. What comes out of their mouth? Because that's what's gonna show you what's in their heart. This is what Jesus says in Luke 6. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What comes out of their mouth? You wanna know what kind of heart they have? Look at their words. I'm walking to the porch one day about to, I mean, totally about to preach, and, and this dude walks by, and, and I'm thinking, you know, porchy, awesome, and, and I'm like, hey, buddy, and he goes, get the F away from me. 
oh, wow, oh, not a fan, I get it, you know, okay. Uh, I say, hey, man, everything okay? He goes, leave me the F alone. I go, hey, buddy, I don't want to get dirty before I preach, dude. Like, what? No, I'm kidding, I didn't say that. I was like, hey, I was like, I'm like, you, you all right, man, you okay? He goes, I'm looking for the F in hospital. I go, well, you're in the wrong place. And he goes, what? I go, yeah, it's in the hospital. I was like, this is a church. And he's looking for Medical City, like down the road. I said, hey, I'm, I'm literally, I'm like 10 minutes from meeting. I'm like, hey, get in the car. I'll take you there. And, and I zip him down, dump him off at the, the ER, right? And, and, you know, like Good Samaritan kind of like leaves. No. And anyway, so, so leave him there. Come back, preach. The, the hospital is closed afterwards. So go back the next day, check on him. What had happened is his appendix had ruptured right? Spewed evil all throughout his, I mean evil, spewed poison all throughout his body. (laughs) Poison all throughout his body. And because there's poison inside of him, there's poison coming out of him, right? Because as I asked if he was a Christian, he's like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm like, that's really confusing, man, based on, you know. (laughs) And as I clarified the gospel, it turns out he wasn't a Christian. Now he called himself a Christian. But, but, But when he was displaying the things in his heart, you want to know what comes out of their mouth when they're squeezed. And so you want to create an environment so that you can see what comes out of their mouth when they're squeezed. What I'm saying is, is you want to, you know, slam their finger in the car door. So no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But, but think about how can I, how can I see that? Right? Because their act, their their words show their hearts and that their actions are going to follow their words. And that's number two. Do they set an example in their conduct? Do they set an example in their conduct? Here's how I would ask this. What is their reputation? What is Because reputation is a lot of conduct stacked on top of each other over time, not just a Taylor Swift album. Like, like it's, it's what they've been doing for a long period of time. And this is what the, the scripture says, Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even small children are known by their actions, so is their conduct really pure and upright? What are they known for? And this is one of the challenges of online dating. And I'm, I'm not completely against it because the Bible doesn't, isn't completely against it. I would just say be wise. And there's two rules to online dating. Okay? Rule number one, profiles lie. Like anybody can be anyone on the internet. They can graduate from seminary and pastor a church and, and memorize a bunch of scripture and not even be a Christian. Profiles lie. Rule number two, and this is a big one. This is the one that's going to upset you. Don't go on a date with strangers. Like, I take questions on Friday, this deal called Friday Q&A, and yeah, me and you. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, get, I get about 2,000 questions every Friday, most of them on relationships. And one that I see uh, about 10 times every Friday is, how do I, when I'm on a date, how do I figure out if he's a believer? Guys, listen, lean in, man. Long before you're on that date, sitting at a table with some dude, know if he's a believer or not. And you say, well, how do I find that out? Check references. Like if you, like not all online dating is created equal. I I would, if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna uh, go through the platforms that allow me to see common friends so that I can say, hey, do you know this guy? Do you know where he goes to church? Where does he serve? Is he really running hard after Jesus? Do you know her? Is she solid? What friend group does she hang in? Check references prior to going on that date. Because here's why. Past performance is the best indicator of future performance. 
Do you understand? Past performance is the best indicator of future performance. A friend of mine was doing a wedding, and, and uh, the day before the wedding, the ex-wife shows up and says, hey, you know that he was arrested for physical abuse? And my buddy's like, no, I didn't know that. That never came up in the premarital counseling. And they're like, yeah, he was arrested. And, and my friend, so they sits down with both of them and say, hey, like, were you, like, did you know he was arrested for physical abuse? And she was like, no, I didn't know that. And he was like, oh, you know, she's crazy, and it was, that's not exactly what happened. And my friend's like, yeah, but it seems like you should have said that, and so I'm uncomfortable doing the wedding. Well, you mess with people's wedding, they get really upset. They were so mad. Like they left, so they're like, hey, we're not getting married here. They go somewhere else. They go to another church. They find another pastor. They get married. They go on the honeymoon. And it's amazing, as a lot of honeymoons are. They come back from the honeymoon. He throws her to the ground and breaks both of her arms. You know? And listen, people do change. That's what you're asking right now. Some of you are sitting next to each other. You're like, baby, I swear I'm different. Uh, People... People, I don't mean to make it awkward. I'm just saying I saw some elbowing. Uh, people do change, right? But you want a track record of faithfulness, right? You want their repentance. My friend Todd says this all the time. You want, you want their repentance to be as notorious as their rebellion, that they're using their mess and that that's their message, and they're, they're leveraging that because they're different. They're not hiding it in the closet. They're like bringing it out for everyone to see. That's this is who I was, but Jesus changed me, you know. Like my wife, uh, I got her this suburban, bought her this suburban, but it had been wrecked really badly. And um, the fact that it was in that bad accident prior to us purchasing it, it kept everyone else away, and they had to discount, you know, discount it a lot. That's the only kind of vehicle I buy is the deeply discounted kind. And 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 so it was like majorly, majorly on sale, and. And it kept everyone else away, but here's why it didn't keep me away, because I saw that after the wreck that it was repaired, and they had been on the road faithfully for three years without any breakdowns. And I'm like, hey, I trust it, because there's a track record of faithfulness. I know you're not buying a car, but you're looking for a spouse. You want a track record of faithfulness. And not just how they act with you, because with you, they're on the interview. Observe them when they're with somebody that can do nothing for them in return. How do they act towards someone who can do nothing for them in return? Because how they act will point to what they love. And that's the number three. Do they set an example in love? Do they set an example in love? What do they love? Do they love football? Do they love the Mavericks? Do they love money? Do they love children? Do they love their Shih Tzu? That's a dog. Um, what, what do they love? And it's okay if they love things. But, but as you look at that list, you're going to start to see their idols. And you want to make sure that the greatest obsession of their life is the creator of the heavens and the earth through his son, Jesus Christ. What do they love? When Jesus was on the earth, he talked about this. In fact, he summarized 644 laws of the prophets into two of the greatest commandments. And this is what he said, because it's about love. So listen, he said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Do they love God and, and do they love people? You're going to want to identify the affections of their heart. And here's how you do that. You're like, well, how do I do that? One, what comes out of their mouth? But two, where do they invest their time, talents, and treasures? Because that will show you what has their heart. Jesus says in Matthew 6, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So wherever they're investing time, wherever they're spending money, wherever they're using their gifts, that's going to show you the objects of their heart, right? Is that, like, are they serving in the nursery? They love church. Hey, I'm going on mission trips. I'm always with God's people. I got community tonight. Can't hang. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I woke up this morning. Can't wait to get into God's word. Or are they like, man, the Mavs are on. Call you later. Don't, don't interrupt me when, you know, what do they, what do they love? I, I talked to this young adult here one time, right here. He's like, man, yeah, dude, I love, man, I love this play. I love God. Love God. Me and God, man, love him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's good, man. What's he teaching you right now? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I love God. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, man. That's cool, man. That's great. You got any other verses? I love the Proverbs, especially chapter 3. Love God. I was like, that's cool, man. So where, where are you being instructed right now? Like, where do you go to church? Where do you... Nah, nah, nah. Church, that's not really my thing. The institution. You know, it's all corporate and stuff. That's not my, it's me and Jesus. Like, I love God. Like, it's just me and God. Like, I love God. You know, oh, yeah, you don't really, so you're not a part of a church. No, man, I'm not a uh, church. You know, that's, that's just not how I do, like, me and God, that's not what we do. And besides, the Cowboys play on Sunday, and I got this spot, like, where my boy, like, we go, we tailgate. We, it's kind of an all-day affair. And, uh, you know, it's evangelistic, right? Evangelical, you might say. We, we go and, and I'm, I'm like, it's a place where we just hang out all day. And I'm like, oh, and we talk more. And it turns out, this is what I told him because this is where we went. I was like, oh, I do think you love God. And the cowboys are your God, right? You're, you're fooling yourself. You have a greater obsession than the creator of the heavens and the earth. So let's just be honest and it's not just what do they love friends it's how do they love do they leave people better than they found them when i talk about checking references like when their ex all their exes are just really angry at them like they created tiktok sites just to bash them <laughs> like they're they're so hurt by them that's, that's like, you're probably going to be one of those exes. That's their track record. You, you want to date someone who leaves people better than they found them. And that is possible. It is possible. to. I know that's different than how the world dates. But it is, it is very, very possible. And so what environments will show you what they love most? That's where you want to go. Because what they love will, will point to what they believe. And what they believe, that's their faith. And that's number four. Do they set an example in faith? What do they believe? I'm not saying, do they identify as a Christian? That's a different question. 
I can identify as a giraffe. It does not make me a giraffe. Like I can say that I'm anything, right? But that doesn't, doesn't make me that thing. I'm saying, have they trusted fully? Listen, lean in. This is the important part. Have they fully given themselves to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins? Not in some kind of check the box. Oh, when I was six years old, I went down to the front and I said a prayer and it has had no impact on my life since then. I'm talking about, are they running hard after Jesus? Like, do they love him? Does their life display that they are madly in love with the one who literally, quite literally died for them to save them from hell? Does that mark their lives? And that's the gospel. That's the good news. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not date someone thinking you can change them. You're not a dating missionary. That is not your spiritual gift. And it is not the calling on your life, okay? You date someone who has radically given their heart to the Lord. And you be that person. Like you're, you're in a church on a Tuesday night. That's a really good sign. It, it doesn't mean everything. It just means at least, at least you're headed in the right direction. Even if you came here because you want to prove, disprove Christianity, like you don't understand what's happening. God has unleashed the hounds of heaven after you and he's going to win. It's going to be awesome. I'm so glad you're here. You know who you are. And, um, right, you want to find someone who's in love with God. And, and I'll just tell you, like, as, as a dude who's done a lot of marriage counseling and a lot of pre-marriage counseling, it's half the battle. I mean, if they have the Jesus thing right, like, it covers a multitude of sins. Like, if you just find somebody who is radically in love with, with Christ, like not check the box, kind of world, lukewarm Christian, cultural Christian. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that just delights in God. Like, you're going to be fine. If you're that and they're that. Do you know that there's never, let's talk about a 50% divorce rate. you know there's never been a divorce between two people pursuing Jesus? you know it's never happened in the history of the world? There, there has never in the history of creation been a divorce between two people who were running hard after Jesus. Amen. It's never happened. So if you just be that and you find that, you're gonna be fine. That's, that's, that's more than half the battle. I love what, what Tommy Nelson says. You, you probably have heard this at some point. He's just the person that I heard it from first, but it's, it's like you're running a marathon, you know, and it's like you're, you're serving over here and you, you look around and it's like, oh yeah, you're there serving. You're always with me. And then you, you go over to Africa or Haiti, you do a mission trip and you're, you're in this marathon and you're running over there and you're like, oh yeah, it's you again. We're always together. And you're hanging out with these Christians here and you're running and you're like, oh, there we are again. You know, you're, you're in the marathon, the person you serve in the nursery with the kids at the church. Oh yeah, it's you again, huh? And you're going to church, you look over, ah, there you are. And everywhere, you just kind of, you're in that marathon. And at some point, you're like, we've been running together for a while, huh? Hey, you want to run together forever? Awesome. Right? And you're like, no, that's stupid. No, that's beautiful. And it happens. And when it happens, it's amazing. It really does happen. Half the battle is where you look, friends. So, so like, like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, no, we met. We met on Tinder, and yeah, that's, you can, it happens. Well, we met, no, we met at the bar. We were in Uptown, and it's possible. And there might be a Christian in there. It's possible. Like, I can, I can find a Christian book in Barnes & Noble. Like, I can go to Barnes & Noble, and there's a Christian section. And some of the books in that section are actually Christian, right? 
But if you blindfolded me and you sent me to Barnes and Noble and you said, grab a book, like it's probably not gonna be Christian because the vast majority of books in there are not Christian. But if I go to Mardell's, you know, or Lifeway, rest in peace, if I go to a Christian <laughs> bookstore, if I go to a Christian bookstore, right, and, and you blindfold me, you send me in there and I grab a book, there's it, a good chance it's gonna be a Christian because it, it, half the battle's where you look, where you're spending your time. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a big part of finding someone you should marry. And I know you're looking for the one, and so I just always have to say this public service announcement, right? There's not a one, it's not one, it's not, you're not star-crossed lovers. There's somebody created about the same time you were, and you guys were separated, and you've got to roam throughout the earth, finding this person that God in his sovereignty has identified for you, and so you're really interviewing people based on how you feel to determine if they're, that comes from Greek mythology. It's the, it's the belief that Zeus, that everybody was two people and he cut them in half and he separated their halves and you have to go and find the half, find your soulmate. That it's, it comes from pagan mythology. It's unbiblical. You're not looking for the one. You're looking for someone. You're not roaming throughout the earth trying to find the one. You're looking for someone who knows who formed the earth. Okay, like, and, it's, and the good news is, right, it's not just a needle in a haystack. Like, it's really a group of people. It's relatively a small group of people who God has their heart. And in that group of people, there's a lot of them that you could make an amazing marriage with. Like Monica and I found each other. She's the one for me because we promised before God that we would stay together. That makes her the one. Is there someone better for her than me? Not rhetorical. Yes. She's 5'2". I'm six foot seven. I mean, I like guns, motorcycles, and the UFC. She doesn't like any of those things. Right? But it's okay. Like, yeah, there's lots, there's probably hundreds of thousands of guys that she's more compatible with, but she's mine. I got the girl. Take that, guys. <laughs> Their faith will help set the pace in them living a pure life. It's a life marked by purity. And that's the fifth question. Do they set an example in purity? Do they live a pure life? Do they value pure thinking? The word there for purity, it's not just sexual purity, it's really moral cleanliness. It goes beyond physical. It's like, what are they feeding their hearts? Like if they get most of their relationship advice from The Bachelor, like that's problematic. You know, like, like if, that, if that's what they're training their heart, they're going to a university for divorce. Like they're training themselves for divorce. So you wanna look at like, what are, they, what are they entertained by? Are they entertained by the things that Jesus died for? I think so often we're entertained and amused by the things that, that held Jesus on the cross. You know, are they committed to purity? Purity in the sexual sense is refraining from extramarital or especially from all sexual intercourse. And here's why that matters. Because remember, you're looking for someone who's committed to Christ. And the guy that will tell you that he loves you, but he's moving his hand anywhere other than a ring box, is saying something. Let me tell you what he's saying. Listen, lean in. He's saying, God, I'm not scared of you. What are you going to do to me? Now, listen here, God. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm going to follow my feelings. When I feel like having my way with someone, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not afraid of you. Proceed with caution. Do you understand? Proceed 
with caution because that person is telling you something else and it's really important that you listen to this. They're communicating something to you. This is what they're saying. They're saying, I do not value the marriage covenant. I'm willing to go outside of the marriage covenant for sexual intimacy. And you need to know something. Should we get married? I'm telling you right now, I'm willing to go outside the marriage covenant for sexual intimacy. I don't value it. That's important. You, you know, the divorce rate, or I'm sorry, the infidelity rate of people who've been primarily impure is astronomically higher than those who haven't. Okay? This is what they're communicating to you. I, I don't value the marriage covenant. I, I've done a lot of weddings. I mean, I've seen the ones that work out, the ones that don't. You know, I've been to a lot of weddings. I've, I've, I've stood up here on this stage and looked at the thousands of you for 12 years. You think I haven't had literally thousands of conversations up there? I've heard everything you can possibly imagine. I don't say that out of arrogance, but maybe just to earn an ounce of credibility to say this. Sometimes when I do weddings, every wedding you've ever been to, there's this part, you know that part where there's like, you may kiss the bride, remember that? Do you know why they say that in marriages? In weddings, rather? You know why they say that? Because for most of history, that was their first kiss. You may kiss the bride. Like, now you're married, you may kiss your bride. And, and their friends and family would observe, right? And, and today, that sounds crazy. Like, it's like, you may kiss the bride. We've seen you kiss. We've seen you make out a thousand times, you know? Right? You may kiss the bride. But I've actually done weddings of, of people. That's their first kiss. You may kiss the bride. And that's their first kiss. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? You know what's crazy? That their marriage is amazing. That's crazy. They have incredible marriages. And it sounds so crazy to us, but their hearts haven't been broken. They haven't cried themselves to sleep. And, and in that marriage covenant, they know, hey, I've fought for purity. You better believe I'm not going outside of this for anybody else. Somebody can come up to me and hit on me and buy me a drink and say that I can be traveling for business, but you know I've fought for this. And it's safe. Right? People ask, how, how close or how far is too far? You know, it's the question. How far is too far? Too, how far is too far? And I would just say, well, that's like asking, how close to the edge can I get of a building? Like, how close can I get? I would just ask, like, do you want to jump off? Because if you want to jump off the building, don't get close to the edge. I think when it comes to intimacy and relationships, if we were honest, we all want to jump off. So don't get on the elevator. But I'm going to give you a better answer than that. How far is too far? Here's, here's the answer. When your body begins to prepare itself for sex, you've gone too far. When your body begins to prepare itself for sex, you've gone too far. And so to explain this, so you understand what I'm saying, I'm going to bring out a whiteboard. And, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying when I say that when your body begins to prepare itself for sex, you've gone too far. And this is what the, the scripture says. Flee sexual immorality. All of the sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. This one's different. He's saying that. This sin is different. It hurts you in a different way. Whoever sins in sexual immorality, sins against their own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You've been bought by a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. He's saying, hey, you know that body? It's not your body. You have it on loan. You ever, you ever loan somebody something? Like your roommate borrows your shoes or something? 
you get them back, the heel's broken, or your Jordans and the bubbles popped or something. You're like, dude, what did you do, right? You ever loan somebody something, a dress, and then it comes back and like, that's frustrating when you give somebody something. Like we, Monica and I had this bounce house that we bought for the kids and it was more than we would normally spend, but we just said, hey, we're gonna do this because we're gonna lend it out freely. Like anybody that wants to borrow the house, bounce house, we're gonna let them, so it's like for birthday parties. But when somebody would come and get the bounce house, like I would have a list of rules because it's my bounce house. I would say, hey, like only three kids at a time, make sure that it's connected to this kind of outlet, make sure that this tube stays straight and make sure that you, you put it in the ground firmly. And so when, when that person Somebody borrowed it one time and they brought it back, it had a giant rip in it. It was frustrating. I forgive you, but it was frustrating. You know? It, because they used it in a way that it wasn't intended to be used. Right? It wasn't their bounce house. And they used it in a way that it wasn't intended to be used. In summary, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for believers in speech. What do they say? In conduct, what is their reputation? In love, what do they love? In faith, what do they believe? And in purity, do they live a pure life? My wife, she's, she'll send me to the grocery store every now and then, like with a list. And she gives me this list, like milk, eggs, cheese, whatever. And, and it's like, parenthetically, she's real specific, okay, because she knows I'm going to get the cheapest stuff. Like, I'll come back Hill Country Fair all day, like just cheapest, biggest bargain stuff I can find. So she'll say milk, right? But parenthetically, she'll say 2% organic, one gallon, blue label, blue cap, this brand, you know? And that's what it says in the parentheses, like milk. And she's like, and don't you dare come home without this specific kind of milk, right? So as I'm walking through the milk aisle, as I'm walking through the milk aisle, I'm, I'm looking at her list, trying to find an example that matches her description. And when I find it, 2% organic, one gallon, blue label, blue lid, this brand, what I don't do is I don't open the freezer and think, how do I feel? Like, do we have chemistry, me and the milk? No, I, like, I, I, found, I found what I'm looking for, so I commit to it. There's no, oh, I just know and I know. Like, hey, hey, babe, how do I know which milk to get? You'll just know when you know. No, I'll know when it matches what you told me to look for. Don't you see? That's when you're going to know. That you just, you look, and you look at them, and you're like, wait, well, what about chemistry? Doesn't, isn't that important? It, play, it, it has a place. It's not ultimate. It's not most important. It's not first, second, third, fourth important. Chemistry comes and goes. I can create chemistry. You know, you can, cre- you can manufacture that. You, if you don't believe me, like watch a lot of shows. That's what they do. Docu- I mean, that's truly, that's what they do. Great chem- You've had chemistry with people that you're no longer with. And I love my, the resolve of my friend Marshall. You know, I love... I love just the pragmatism that he approaches life with because he gets to this point out of college and he thinks, you know what, it's time for me to get married. And he says, so now I'm looking for a wife, so I'm going to go to this young adult ministry and I'm going to get involved there and I'm looking around. And he sees somebody that when she speaks, she builds people up. And that her conduct is one that other girls want to follow. She's investing in them. She's pouring in them. 
right? And the way that she loves and the things that she loves, the way that she spends time in God's word, the way that she's serving in that ministry, it shows her heart that she has a heart for the Lord and her faith that, that, that Jesus is the biggest, most important thing about her and that she is relentlessly committed to purity. And so he goes to her and he's like, you match the description of what I'm looking for. Like, he's not the most romantic guy, I'll be honest with you. Like, he's not singing boys to men and lighting candles. That's just not his game. You know, that's, that's my game, honestly. That's not his game. <laughs> he's just like, you match what I'm, like, look, like, do you want to get married? I mean, we can date a couple times if you want, but I mean, you're what I'm looking for, right? Dudes, I got to talk to you before I'm done. I'm done. There, there's so many godly women around you. And pornography has messed you up, man. It's taken you and it's trained you. And I know it's a girl problem too. But it's trained you to look for all the wrong things. You got five things that you're looking for. Find someone that has those five things and put a ring on it. But be those five things. Be those five things first. Okay, let me pray that you would. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word that it doesn't return void. And we thank you for just a simple verse that gives us five things to look for in who we should marry. Would you press that deep into our soul? God, I pray that there is not a divorce that comes out of this room, that people who are called to singleness in this room would find contentment in it, and, and people who are called to marriage would find a, a suitable spouse that, that sets an example in their speech and in their conduct and in their love and in their faith and in their purity. And that healthy marriages would be born in this room and ministry would be strengthened because we're really just looking for a partner in ministry. That that's what would happen, that we would meet somebody that we can make disciples with and get after it. Help us not to learn from Hollywood, God. We know that Hollywood has the highest divorce rate of anywhere in America. And, and they should not be the ones instructing us on what to look for in a spouse. You should, God. We want to listen to you. We want to learn from you. Help us to, to unlearn what we need to unlearn. And Father, would you make us new, give us new hearts. Help us to learn what we need to learn. In the name of Jesus, I pray.